You're listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. So what I'm hearing you say is you, the reason you self-loathed and you despise yourself, you even used the word hated yourself when you were younger, yeah. when we talked, was because of the stacked up, I think you just said, stacked up negative experiences that only reinforced what you already heard inside yeah. over the years. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Okay. And I basically was saying, you know, those negative experiences really led to my self-loathing. I was never the guy that got the girl yeah. and just not, you know, not feeling good enough. Hello guys. What are you doing? Welcome to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. My name is Mark Edward, and I'm the founder of I'dRatherTalk.com. That's an educational website for young men, 18 to 30-something. And since 2014, I've been helping guys find answers there on the 12 topics that young men ask me about the most over the last 36 years or so of mentoring. One of those topics is the sometimes difficult journey of learning how to love yourself. So it's going to be really difficult. Well, I'm just going to say it nearly impossible to have healthy relationships if you don't love yourself. So whether or not you're a Christ follower there are two major directives of Christ that contain two nuggets of wisdom on which we can stand as men in order to have healthy relationships. Those two nuggets or directives are, number one, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Number two, loving your neighbor as yourself. So you can't love someone else fully if you don't love yourself, if you loathe yourself. So that word loathe, it's not really a word that millennials or net gens use very often. Loathe means to hate, to detest, despise might be a good word. So if you loathe yourself, you can say that you hate yourself or detest yourself, despise yourself. I've said it before on our podcast, but the three biggest challenges I face as a mentor are self-loathing, isolation and sexual shame amongst young men, millennials, and net gens. Guys, today I'm super delighted to welcome my co-host, musician David Camden Mueller, known to the world as Camden. Now, Camden has been in my circle since April of 2008. He was 17. Hard to believe. He's going on 30 now. Camden was a part of what we call the original Springfield Circle. You might have heard us talk about that on the podcast or seen it on the website. That circle started in Springfield, Missouri. That mentoring circle kind of formed organically, due in part to the proximity of Jamie's and my involvement at James River. That circle included some pretty stellar dudes. You might know some of them. Um, Brenton Robert Miles... 
Taylor Adam Welch, Dane Richard Mormon, Timothy Andrew Webb. Let's see, Christopher Michael Rudolph, who co-hosted with me episode five. Joseph Patrick Bulger, the Bulger Brothers, uh, Mr. Ian Sullivan, who uh, was a drummer there. And, uh, of course, Camden's two brothers, Devin Robert Mueller, or Devin, and Jordan Daniel Mueller. They were part of the original Springfield circle back in 08. That circle also loosely included guys from T-Mobile, Deutsche Telekom, like Adam Hayes and Joshua Wilmoth, as well as some young men from the Oaxaca Cafe coffee shop that Jamie and I uh, managed for a while, like Kelly Brandon Flood and Tyler Kyle Patterson. It was an amazing circle. So at that time, again, just a little background here, those young men ranged from ages 15 to 23. And the, the enormous growth that that we observed together, Jamie and I, just as a result of those regular intentional meetings that I enjoyed with those young men during those Springfield years, guys, that is the reason why I'd Rather Talk was launched back in 2014. What I learned during my journey with each of those young men brought about the distinct revelation that the gift I am to nourish and develop inside of Mark besides being a musician and besides being a leader, is one-on-one mentoring. I have to do that till my hair is white, till I drop over dead. So those guys from that original circle mean a great deal to me. And honestly, my friendships with those guys, with many of them, still impact my life today. Some, what is it, 12 years later. So Camden is one of those guys. And during the Springfield years... One of the areas that Camden and I focused on when he was younger, and honestly even into his mid to late 20s, uh, middle 20s there after I moved to Georgia, uh, we still met remotely, was self-care and just learning to love himself. I had the distinct joy of helping Camden, along with his family and other friends, other mentors, uh, just watching him go from hating himself to loving himself. So today you're going to hear us talk about, and primarily Camden, talk about some really cool stuff here. Why we hate ourselves as men or young men. What self-loathing does to your man's soul. And what behaviors make self-loathing even worse. Camden's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about how old he was when he finally felt accepted by other males and began the process of loving himself. We're also going to talk about what steps that you can take as a young man to begin your journey out of self-loathing. So I just got to tell you guys, I deeply admire Camden's vulnerability in this episode. Most every co-host I have has, you know, a little bit of co-host remorse after because, you know, we're talking about some vulnerable stuff here. I love it that Camden opened his gut here. He was 100% Camden all the way to the funny outtakes at the end. And having been his friend for 12 years, honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. So guys, let's jump in. Here we go. Guys, today we're talking about going from self-loathing to self-loving. And joining me today is my fourth co-host, David Camden Mueller known to the world as Camden. 
Well, hey, welcome to the podcast, Camden. Hey, Mark. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And you're in Nashville today while I'm here in Tampa Bay right now, at least at the time of this recording, uh, the world is on a lockdown, stay at home for COVID-19. So uh, normally we would record remotely anyways, rather than you fly to Tampa or me to Nashville. And thanks to Anchor for uh, having the software where we can do it. So uh, thanks for connecting so much. I've been looking forward to uh, you being here with me. Yeah. So much. Me too. I've been looking forward to it too. So as I do with all my co-hosts, I I like to take a minute and just, you know, kind of casually talk a little bit about how we met. I think most guys are kind of interested in that and how we became friends way back in 2008. Yeah. Uh, So your brother, Devin, your older brother played keys and you were on the worship team there as a vocalist. And Devin worked for uh, my wife, Jamie, at Starbucks. And that's how we met was through our families way back in 08. And you were 17, which is crazy. That is nuts. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Barely driving. Time flies. So, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about your memories of that. I know you you guys used to come over to the house on your spring breaks and stay and I made, uh, tried to make food before I knew how amazing of a chef your dad was. <laughs> um, what are your memories of those uh, days briefly, like uh, back in the Ozark days? Well, I remember going to James River, which uh, it was like a really big church. And so it was a little bit sometimes intimidating and, you know, just especially like being in music and how big the music program was there. Um, it was huge. And yeah, and just just you know kind of looking to make some genuine connections yeah it's kind of a big thing and and i remember devin introducing me to you and he was like hey this is the guy i told you about we had never met anybody in all of our life at that point we had never met anybody who even knew about rama i know right so we felt this immediate connection with you then you know and uh and then i remember I can't remember how exactly. I think I think uh, our parents came to visit one time too. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and I remember talking with you in the lobby, and we made that connection of like, "Hey, Dad, this is Mark. He went to Rama too." And so you guys talked, and uh, and uh, then Devin ended up saying, "Hey, do you want to go over to Mark's house?" I'm not sure That's if Devin right. had ever been. Uh, my older brother. Uh, I'm not sure. Without me, I think he maybe. I think he came, and we played you know keys or piano a couple times maybe not yeah i'd have to look back in my journals or whatever but you you're right but you and your dad and uh devin all came and i was so proud of my avocado uh guacamole whatever (laughs) and then when i found out you know your dad's an amazing chef i could never ever cook for him (laughs) (laughs) i remember that night and i actually have a visual like in my brain of devin bringing you up to say hi that was really cool. It's a good memory, of course. Yeah. Um, way, way back in 08. It's kind of crazy. So you were you were going to school, right? Uh, let's see. I think you were a freshman. Yeah, I was a freshman at college. Evangel University. And Tell me about uh, that for a second. I was a music major. Um, and my intent was to become a worship pastor at a church. So that was actually my degree at that school was uh, in worship leadership. Um, which now looking back is kind of a funny choice to spend a bunch of money on a college tuition to get a degree in worship leadership. Well, I led worship for 12 years, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, whenever you go off to college, 
um, you make a lot of friends your own age. Um, but it was, uh, we didn't have anybody, you know, our parents were a few hours away. Yeah, three hours so away. It was, it was really cool. I remember you guys, you and your wife started inviting us over um, to have dinner with you all. Um, and we kind of started doing it. It almost felt like it was weekly. Um, it was, it was fun. And I remember you making friends uh, with Victoria, my oldest, uh-huh. Casey, my middle, and then Sierra. Do yeah. you remember uh, talking in accents yeah, with always. my girls? <laughs> always. I don't know why I do. So. It was some Russian accent or something like that. Yeah, it was like, uh, I, can't, I can't even remember. Now I'm like, you, you know, I'm afraid it. of offending people. It's difficult in my country. <laughs> toilet paper feel like Brillo pads. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just say ridiculous. I, dude, I still have recordings of that. <laughs> My kids would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And you sometimes Sierra would give her room up for you or your brother. Those were those are awesome times. And I remember like your whole family, your mom, uh, dad, Jordan, Devin, you, and then friends, because you always have friends with you. Yeah. Uh, came like to our duplex there uh-huh. and like Thirteen of us stayed. Yeah. We were all spread out on all the, the beds, duplex. the floor, the sofas. Yeah, yeah just that was know, awesome. hanging out, falling asleep. Super good times. And not only did you guys stay with us a lot, but you know uh, we stayed in Lake of the Ozarks with your family several times. And now in Florida, of course. Yeah. All of you bros, the Mueller bros, were right. here at one time, all in Nashville now. But right. I've stayed in uh, yours and Devin's and. and uh, Jordan's home there in Tampa, stay with your parents, of course, many, many, many times. So our families go deep. Yeah. That's kind of how we would sum up the section for yeah. sure is uh, we go deep and we're close. We're literally uh, family. Yeah, we are. So. What we're going to talk about today, as I said earlier, is self-loathing to self-loving. Uh, the reason I chose that topic for you is uh, I was looking back at some of my notes and my journals and letters that we exchanged emails uh, about those challenges that you had back then. And I felt like you would be out of all the guys I've journeyed with would have the best insights on this area. So um, as I've said before on my podcast, the major things that I face as a mentor, there's three biggies, I call them. Um, And one of those is self-loathing. The other is isolation, and the third is sexual shame. Those are the big three that I face, the hurdles that I face as a mentor. So we're definitely going to talk about uh, self-loathing today. Before we jump in here in a second, though, I wanted to uh, have you share a little bit uh, just about living in Nashville real quick. Uh, I have several guys in my circle there, I think 10 now. Mm-hmm. So you and I talked about that way back in 2012, and I think you moved, what, in 16 or so? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I think it was around 2016. So uh, what's life like there for you now with COVID and what, what's going on as a young musician? Thankfully, I'm in a good scenario where I have three really great roommates. And, uh, awesome. and so we've kind of all been quarantined together. And, and um, it's allowed me to focus on, on uh, getting, getting stuff done that's important to me. I feel like whenever regular life was going on, it was too easy to get pulled in multiple directions uh, by, you know, everybody you know, wanting to, uh, you know, it's like you're, I'm, I'm a very social person, you know? So if somebody asks you me are. like, Oh, we should, we should co-write sometime. Then it's really easy to be like, okay, yeah, let's do that on Thursday. But then like, 
you know, but then your whole Thursday's gone because, you know, the uh, I do music, but then I also have a, a side job as well. So it's like, okay, well, I'll do my songwriting session from 11 to 3, and then I'll go to work from, you know, 4 to 9 or whatever. And then, uh, and then the whole day, that whole day is gone because I did that co-writing session with that person. Whereas like now, you know, nobody can, you know, ask me to come over. So it's, I've got all this time to uh, basically just focus on, on uh, finishing Camden stuff. And that's good. It's interesting that you say that, Camden, because uh, I've been reaching out even more than I usually do to the guys in my circle. I have 29 active guys that I'm journaling, journaling, uh, <laughs> journeying with right now. And just the number of calls, texts, instant messages, direct messages has doubled since COVID because they're facing what you're facing, uh, feeling isolated, financial challenges, and even some depression here and there. So and, and some fear, like that's that's a normal thing, a typical thing. So thanks for being honest about that. And I know it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. And we're going to look back. At, you know, it's horrible and terrible about the deaths and the things that are are still going to happen that haven't even happened yet. It's not over. Yeah. But, but we're going to stick together, our families, our friends, and even help people that we don't know is okay. what we're trying to do and uh, make a difference. And we're going to push through. So um, every co-host that I have, I always ask this question, too, uh, about your current state of mentoring. I'll probably say this in every podcast, but the happiest guys in my circle have friendships on three levels, your buddies and your peers, and you have uh, a good number of those now, which you didn't used to have. I'm so proud of you, by the way. <laughs> guys, guys your age that you journey with, that you finally are comfortable in your own Camden skin to open up and be vulnerable, and man, you've grown exponentially in that. And then, you know, there's guys like myself and other men in your life, your dad, who's an amazing mentor, the guys that have journeyed farther than you. You have healthy relationships in, in that area. And then, the third area is guys that you mentor. The happiest guys in my circle have friends on all three of those planes. So now that you're headed for 30, which is crazy and hard to believe, I want to ask you like I do every young man that hosts with me here. Tell me a little bit about your current mentoring state. Of course, you may not be you know, in touch with 25 or 30 guys a week like I am. I'm in a different place in my life. But tell me about... Um, who you're helping now without mentioning names or how your mentoring journey is going at 29. Yeah. I've kind of been mentoring on accident. I feel like, um, just, <laughs> well, you know, I, I end up, that's what Chris said. Go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I've just, uh, become what become friends with other musicians and in music, uh, a lot of people pursuing music are younger than I am. Um, so a lot of friends that I've made, you know, at so different songwriting camps, um, or shows, uh, I find out that they're, you know, only 20 years old, 21 years old. And, uh, so I've just kind of been, you know, um, been friends with them still, even though there's an age gap and, uh, even a lot of them, it's, it's funny because I mean, a lot of them feel like they kind of have life figured out at that age, you know, whenever you're, sometimes yes. yeah, it's, it's, it seems like it's one dramatic swing or the other, either they just feel like hopeless and lost and will life ever get better or, or there's the other crew that's just like so confident and so cocky, cocky. and they're just like, you know, they just think they're going to be like, you know, the big deal forever, you know, cause they're the big deal at their school. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, I just, you know, I just believe in loving everybody that I come in contact with. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, a lot of these like young guys, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm there for them. And, um, and I don't necessarily force any advice on them or anything like that. Uh, And, and I just know that, you know, eventually scenarios come up where they need advice, um, or they maybe run into something, run into a challenge that they didn't anticipate that they were going to run into. And I'm able to be there and say, you know, hey, like, I went through that too. And, you know, life five years down the road um, looks different from that. So, wow. um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been good. I've, there's actually two, I, uh, I used to um, direct the music um, for a theater department when I was living in Tampa, Florida at a local high school there. And I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like a side gig that I was doing, you know, as a musician. And, uh, but I became, you know, it was fun. I had a good time with the students, our high school students. So we really weren't that far apart in age. So we we're still able to relate, you know, on, on a comedic level. And, um, and a lot of them ended up going to Belmont University in Nashville uh, and getting their degree in songwriting and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm still in touch with them. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily meet up all the time. There's been times that are more consistent and times that are less consistent. But um, I like being there for them as well. And sometimes, you know, they'll reach out to me on social media and, you know, have have questions about, you know, different things that I've done with music or need advice in certain areas. And I'm always happy to help and try to steer them in the right direction. So, dude, you know how happy my man soul is by hearing this, right? So one of my core goals as a mentor is to see guys step up to the plate and start mentoring. So, again, uh, watching you go from 17 and to now and helping guys that are, are 17 themselves or 18 or 20, it, it's incredibly gratifying in, in the most humble way. So uh, thanks for Thanks for telling me that. I love hearing that. And dude, it's only going to increase uh, as your mentoring uh, tent. That's sometimes what I call it. Your your mentoring skills grow and increase. It'll just get better and better. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. That's not a part of our topic, but uh, it's interesting uh, to me and to the guys that, that we journeyed together here with. So we're going to jump in here and talk about self-loathing. Loathing is not a word that we use so much in in 2020. Especially millennials, net gens might not even know exactly what that is. But self-loathing is nothing more than self-hatred, or you could say, you know, I despise myself. Yeah. Again, one of the biggest challenges I face as a mentor, and you are facing now as a mentor, is guys who hate themselves. I'm not mm-hmm. good enough. I suck. I'm not handsome. I'm not muscular. I'm not athletic. I'm not the best musician. We could go down and list a hundred reasons why guys self-loathe. Yeah. I want you to cut loose and talk about what's in your heart in this area again, because of all the things that you and I have talked about, which is many, many things. This was a big topic. We even exchanged letters and emails over this topic. So uh, tell me again about, let's just jump in here and talk to me about yourself loathing journey and kind of how you got started with that and realized that you hated yourself yeah 
I think um, it's hard to pinpoint when exactly I realized that I felt that way. I think whenever I was younger, I felt that way and didn't realize that I that I felt like that. Um, I I just dealt with a lot of like when I was growing up, uh, I lived in a small town, and you know, in a in a town like that, you don't have to do very much to all of a sudden be uh, exiled um, from from what is considered traditional masculinity. So, I mean, the fact that I played piano, like, you know, people were like, oh, only girls play piano. (laughs) Tell me about it. Now living in Nashville, it's just (laughs) hilarious to me. The idea that, you know, somebody could tell me that only only girls girls play play piano. Um, But I get it. It's amazing how that stuff sticks with you. You know, when I was young, those formative years, there was just something in me that was like, uh, you know, I am not accepted. I do not belong. I'm not good enough um, to fit in with the other guys. Um, I never had guy friends. Uh, it was it was only girls that were willing to be my friend. And then the girls that I liked always friend zoned me. So the girls that you liked romantically. Yeah. 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 And they, and they would want to talk to me about the guys that they liked, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the guys that you like, you know. Um, and, uh, so that was, that was always a a challenge for me. And, and, you know, I was very like, too, my, my voice didn't change until I was probably 17. I mean, I was, was, the time I met you because we had that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, uh, um, a junior or senior in high school when my voice finally started dropping. And, uh, and so, you know, I just had this high voice that immediately made, uh, made me, sound effeminate um and you know just just less 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 uh what girls seemed to be attracted to at the time like you know girls would say stuff like oh you have you know someday you're they'd be like oh you have such a good face someday you'll be really you'll be really (laughs) handsome and you'll have all the girls after you you know like some it was always this like someday you know when whenever your face fills out and your voice drops you know, they're like, they're like, someday you'll be, you know, really good looking. And so that like set in my mind, you know, okay, well, I have a good face. So I've always been confident, like that I had a good face. <laughs> that was never the issue. But, the, <laughs> but as far as like my body type, you know, I was like six foot three and, yep. uh, and weighed a hundred, yeah. uh, you know, I still to this day only weigh a hundred and 47 pounds i think and i'm six foot yeah, eight. i was thinking you were about 130 when we met or somewhere i was, there. Pro- I, I was probably tall. yeah 130 but the same height yeah. you know so uh yeah that all those things uh just kind of kept stacking up against me and and my brother who is the most amazing person in the world i'm going to say you know and uh, especially if he's listening, you know, I want to make sure that he knows how much I love him and how amazing he's been through this whole process. Um, but uh, I remember he, uh, part of the life experiences that went towards me hating myself and feeling like I wasn't good enough was that, I mean, his voice changed when he was probably 13. Uh, he, yeah. he was, in, he was like 12 or 13. He was in seventh grade. And I was three years older than him and my voice still hadn't changed. So we would go to like family events 
and uh, family members would be like, oh, you know, they'd, they'd say to him, like, you're becoming a man. And then they'd be like, we're still waiting on you, Camden. And oh, gosh. so it was mm. just, you know, they didn't realize how cutting those things were to me. But I'm, I literally felt like not a man. Like people made me feel that way. And so in my in my mind, you know, people people would always just say like, you know, oh, well, you've got to be you've got to be more confident. You've got to you've got to learn to love yourself. But it's easier said than done, you know, because um, you almost need a few life experiences to counteract the negative life experiences that you had, at least for me, I did, even though, you know, you would like to think that your self-esteem is not reliant on that. You know, everybody's like, you know, Oh, you need to find your identity in Christ and find your identity and, you know, who you are, not what people say you are. And, uh, and and it sounds nice, but when you're 17, that's not how it works. Yeah, exactly. It's, even 27 yeah it's like yeah it sounds it sounds nice and and it's it's very you know probably biblically true but but at the same time you know we were created for human interaction and connection and you know whenever we're um running into the same issues our whole life it keeps setting in you know into our minds it's like if you touch a stove and it burns you you're not going to want to keep touching the stove and be like, well, if I tell my mind, you know, that I can touch the stove and it's not going to burn me, you know, then I'll be fine. Like, that's not going to work still. So, um, so what I'm hearing you say is you, the reason you self-loathed and you despise yourself, even use the word hated yourself when you were younger, when we talked was because of, the stacked up, I think you just said, stacked up negative experiences that only reinforced what you already heard inside yeah. over the years. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Okay. And I basically was saying, you know, those negative experiences, I was never the guy that got the girl. You know, I I like tried to force myself to be good at sports because that's what you had to do to be considered a guy. Uh, small town that I was in and so you know I tried to play I tried to make it on the basketball team but then you know I didn't make it so they let me be the water boy so then I had so then I was like (laughs) delivering waters for all the other players which didn't you know make me friends with them or earn their respect I remember like after practice kids would uh, kids would all be inviting each other over to you know one of their houses and nobody would invite me. And like, I remember the specific moment whenever uh, I was just sitting there waiting for my mom to pick me up and everybody was gone because everybody had gone to so-and-so's house and I, wow. my mom was late to pick me up. And, you know, I was just sitting there by myself yeah. and just not, you know, not feeling good enough. I remember when I was in high school, um, it kind of got better because everybody kind of separated into their own cliques and yes. just kind of... It's it's interesting. I mean, for me, high school was so much easier than middle school. Uh, Dude, same here. Yeah, same here. everybody yeah. kind of separated into their own thing. And so I kind of ended up in the, like, uh, I was in jazz band and choir and uh, theater. And I ended up realizing that I was good at acting and singing and stuff. And so I uh, I would always get, like, the lead roles in the school plays. 
um, which didn't make me popular, <laughs> but it it did make me, uh, you know, maybe within my circle of friends, it, it helped me to be comfortable with like my circle of friends. Like, I, yeah, it yeah. helped me to be like, oh, okay, well, I'm not an athlete. I'm not even going to try out for uh, football or for uh, basketball. You know, while I'm in high school, it was like, I'm going to try out for the plays and I'm going to try out for the solos in the band and solos and choir and all that stuff. So I think like gradually learning what I was good at um, wow. and, and allowing that to be okay being confronted with uh, living in a dorm of a bunch of guys and how I reacted to being accepted or not being accepted. How was that? How did you react? Uh, I think maybe I became uh, judgy or isolated. Um, I remember like I was always a rule follower. And, uh, and I remember what's funny is, uh, talking to, uh, hearing the podcast from earlier about college, you know, <laughs> talking to my college roommate and I'm thinking of college memories. Um, was that Chris? Yeah, uh, yeah um, talk, talking to Chris, I'm, I'm sure when he listens to this, he'll remember that, but, uh, episode five, yeah. but I, <laughs> I, uh, I was always a rule follower and I remember, you know, feeling, <laughs> feeling very cautious about um, obeying the school policies. And, uh, and, you know, I didn't even speed at the time, like when driving, because I thought like, oh, well, you got to obey the laws of the land. And the Bible says, you go to hell. The Bible says <laughs> obey the laws of the land. I didn't think I'd go to hell, but, but I, you know, <laughs> always felt like God was going to be mad at me or something. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like an Enneagram one trait to me. Really? That's interesting. I'm, I'm I'm a four through and through, but uh, yeah, I knew you were, but at the, at the it time, reminds me of my friends who are E ones. Go ahead. Yeah, at at the time, I definitely was, uh, yeah, just a rule follower. And I remember other guys on the floor, uh, they were a little bit more mischievous, you know, like they like to have fun by like uh, doing pranks. Like I remember one time they, uh, I think they were like going onto the roof at school and. I don't know if they set fireworks off or something. I can't remember. But and another thing people would do was like go put bubbles in this fountain, you know, the school fountain. And I remember at the time I'd be like, I'd be like, no, that's against school rules. And like, and like the Bible says we need to obey those who are in authority. And so I. Oh, so you're preaching to them. Yeah. So I was like <laughs> preaching to them, which is just not I a bet way. That made you even more popular yeah, in not college. Not a way to make friends at all. I remember at the time, uh, my senior year, um, this guy that I knew saying, did you enjoy going to school here? And I remember kind of with tears in my eyes being like, no, not really. Like, um, I feel like I didn't make any friends that cared about me as deeply as I cared about them. And, uh, Yeah, that was. That's cutting to your main yeah, soul. Too. Yeah, it was just a, it was just a struggle. I, yeah, I just didn't ever feel like I fit in with the other guys, um, and that all stemmed from from my childhood. And I remember too, uh, my roommate one time, like we were kind of like having one of those like late night talks, 
and uh he was telling me about his childhood you know and it was a lot more like light and chipper <laughs> and then i was and then and then he asked me about mine and i was like i was like well i never really had any friends and people always made fun of me and and then as i was like telling that story i remember feeling bad that i was telling something so heavy you know and i was like i was like oh but wow. i mean don't feel sorry for me like it's no big deal i'm fine now <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just didn't allow myself to really connect. Um, and then, and then also whenever I would feel rejection, um, I would feel it would make me like moody. So it would be hard to like be myself. I think now as an adult, I've learned a lot more to, if somebody rejects me, you kind of just, you just have just to go you on, just have to move on and, and then ultimately your confidence at the end of the day will probably bring that person back, you know, to want to be your friend. Like if you're not, uh, if you're not That's chasing so after friendship, you know, or, but I, I remember at the time just feeling so alone um, because. Uh, That's kind of where you were when we met. Yeah. That you were kind of deep into that uh, loneliness part of your journey. After college. That was, I remember making friends with, um, uh, I became friends with, with two other guys in Tampa, Florida, and we started working out together on a regular basis. And uh, then we started, you know, just hanging out together. Like we'd text each other and be like, hey, what's up? Want to go to the mall or want to, you know, whatever. And that was kind of the first time in my life um, that I felt like actually accepted by Dude, I remember that I we had moved to Tampa by that time and you were so <laughs> overjoyed isn't even the right word like you just came alive because I feel like for the first time in your life when I came to your house when the three of you brothers lived together like you you felt like you had authentic friends that you could work out with and feel accepted in a masculine way yeah, for the and, first time and I had never I mean, working out, that was even something that I never felt like I could do because the, I, you were yeah, afraid I of it. It just yeah. seemed like something that, you know, stereotypical, quote unquote, masculine guys would do, but I didn't fit in with them. And I and I couldn't lift the same weights like I even remember in, in high school, uh, I had to take gym class, not a gym class. It was like a, a weightlifting class. And I always got paired with the two girls in the room um, because none of the guys wanted to lift with me because I couldn't lift the same weight that they did. And uh, so, you know, all of that was just like very bruising. So another experience that made you feel emasculated from from any yeah, sense of masculinity. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so whenever I, uh, yeah, finally had this group of friends that, uh, they wanted to work out with me and they would text me and be like, Hey, you ready to go to the gym? You know, and we'd hold each other accountable. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was just so great to have that. Um, and uh, from there, it, it just kind of progressively got better. Um, I also started uh, another thing that helped me was uh, I, I ended up making friends with this, this drummer and he was kind of like a ladies man type guy 
and uh and he was like i'm gonna teach you how to get girls <laughs> i remember telling me and <laughs> sinful or not sinful i remember that too <laughs> the uh just the change of mindset the change of mindset uh helped me so much like i had never seen myself i, I was always too good at becoming friends with girls and never allowing myself to see myself in the role as the romantic character, you know, where. Dude, say that one more time, that whole thing right yeah, there. I, that was profound. I was just really you, good you at being friends with girls, but never allowed myself to uh, consider myself to be the person that they were attracted to. And, uh, and yeah. to pursue them. Yeah. That was one of my biggest fears yeah. in my and 20s. And to pursue them Go ahead. with the mindset that they are attracted to me. Things gradually get, or for me at least, got better um, the older I got. And there was a lot of um, issues that uh, I think, like, it was definitely a chiseling over time, chiseling away of um, self-loathing. Listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. So, Camden, what I'm hearing you say then is that your self-loathing journey, if I could put it that way, or the hatred that you had for yourself, despising yourself, it sounds to me like what it really did to you as a young man was it it like literally literally paralyzed you and kept you from building, you know, positive friendships with other dudes other guys and affected your ability to even about having any romantic interest yeah um i couldn't get her to be interested in me i think that was the challenge why did you think she it or was they were interested level and the way that i approached it i think um i remember one time in our mentoring you know you uh said that masculinity it's taught it's, it's taught. not something that yeah. you just are naturally born with and that was something that I never really right. had was I didn't have right. you know uh guy friends to model after you know oh this is how you um this is how you pursue a girl and get her interested in in you um so every time I would have any type of interaction with a girl it was I was just too good at becoming friends you know or or putting myself in the friend zone so what what behaviors do you think, just thinking back on those 12 years or so uh, from puberty to your middle to late 20s there when you really started, you know, overcoming, what are some of the behaviors that you had that made it worse, like made you hate yourself more? For example, what I'm talking about would be like comparison with other guys, social media, other musicians, like Talk to me about how those comparisons hindered you and, and hurt you. Because a lot of young men are stuck in the comparison mode right now, especially with social media, TikTok, Snapchat. Like, I'm not as handsome. Right. We said this earlier in the podcast. I'm not as handsome. I'm not as masculine. Comparison Tell me how that was, was the for biggest you. one. Um, and I would say 
yeah, I, I mean, it, it was just a constant state of, of comparison. I'd say that, that really wow. led me to that self-loathing. Um, and, you know, I, I hate that it was this way because my, my brother, my younger brother is the most amazing human and I love him so much. Um, and I'm so blessed to have him in my life, but I compared myself to him constantly, like, and from, from my perspective, he lived the perfect life. I mean, he was good at sport. (laughs) Do you remember in Ozark when I used to, we would sing and I would say, Jordan's going to laugh at this when he hears it, but I would tell you, Camden, Jordan's not all that. (laughs) Remember when I used to say that? Because you were always like, oh, I'm not as good as Jordan. I I don't sound as good. I don't look as good. Like you, it literally was constant. I can say that now. Um, it's just, just yeah. to me, he exuded what masculinity looks like. He exuded uh, confidence, godliness, musicianship, uh, athleticism, um, business mind. You know, I mean, just all of those things. And and he, ne- I remember being so mad, you know, and and telling him, I was like, well, you'll never be able to relate with me because every girl you've been interested in has always been interested in you back. You know, you've never had to deal with yeah. rejection like that. Um, whereas me, yeah. it's been the opposite, you know, un- until these past few years, but, but growing up, it was like every girl yeah. I was interested in was never interested back. I mean, it. That's interesting. Those things that you mentioned about him, uh, the voice, the appearance, are those the true defining traits of masculinity now like do you think that's really what matters now now that you have matured and grown because i know a lot of guys are stuck yeah i i don't there's multiple definitions i would say at this point and uh and you can kind of define your own version and wow say that again because that's where i was headed right there for yourself what masculinity looks like and i would be lying that's it i said that i you know, was um, the most confident person in the world. And, and, uh, and I truly just defined my own version of masculinity. But I, I think for me, moving to Nashville um, has honestly done me a lot of good in that department, because um, I found in a creative environment, um, which is where I thrive, uh, that a lot of the things that I feel and the experiences that I've had are a lot more common than what I used to realize. I mean, whenever I went to school, I thought, Oh, well, every, every masculine confident guy plays sports and is good at it. And, you know, here in Nashville, it's (laughs) almost funny because, you know, a lot of all of my friends are music artists or videographers or managers or booking agents or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and like, one of them was like, anybody here watch sports? And like, no, <laughs> no, we all just laugh. Like none of us watch sports, you know, and not that it's a bad thing to watch sports. It's, it's great. Like, I'm glad there's people out there that like it, but it's just not you. it is not so freeing yeah. to uh, hear other, other guys who have successful music careers and have incredibly attractive girlfriends and wives <laughs> say that they don't watch sports and they have no interest in it like that that did my 
my masculinity so good <laughs> of what masculinity is that's so um, good and a lot of my friends now too like uh i mean in in the specific world of of music that i'm in uh i work a lot with um djs in europe and um uh so like one of the main producers i work with he's based in london but he's from france and uh just there's just a totally different idea of what masculinity looks like um like you look at rock stars you know uh like david bowie you david bowie prince like all these people you can't even tell if they're gay or straight (laughs) but somehow they were like an icon and they got like all these probably had all these girls you know that like and and i even have some you know friends specifically in that department that are you know uh they their artist brand is like kind of this rock star character and they get you know they're always with the most beautiful girls you've ever seen but somehow you know they're into like fashion and um just like they just blur this line of uh blur this I line blur it, of yeah. what it looks like to be a straight male um in society so what you're saying is they yeah, they wrote their own definition of masculinity or, or, found, or straightness. Or found a crew found a crew that has a different definition of it. Because you know, I, I didn't yeah, necessarily that's... write my own version of it, but I am in this world now where if you if if you are like somebody who is just like a normal watches sports works a nine to five, uh, you know, just, just kind of more, more, not that there's anything wrong with those things, but just that more like standard idea of, of society, societal masculinity in my circle of friends, it's almost, uh, then you would be the strange one, you know? Because that's how we felt, dude. That's how we felt when we were in our teens. Say if somebody releases a music video and it's like, it's like bro-y or douchey or, you know, whatever. It's just like, ugh. Like, whereas in in my circle, it's a lot more about doing something really unique and something really, um, something like groundbreaking. And uh, so, so I found... I found myself, I, I became friends with a lot of these like people involved in the rock music scene. Um, and they're all skinny, like none of them work out. And, you know, they just have this like swag about them or this edge to them that like makes them cool, even though they're like these like, skinny kind of like strange, you know, people with like weird fashion sense and, you know, um, but yeah. Like Jacob Collier's that way. Like his whole fashion sense is totally, yes. you know, UK, London. But he's so comfortable in his own skin. Like when I watch his interviews, he's 25 and I'm like, you know, he's humble. He's not cocky. Wow. He's got four Grammys. Look at that young man. He's comf- he's comfortable in yeah, his exactly. own skin. That's what so that's I what makes him decided, masculine. You to know, me. like talking with my parents, they're like, oh, are you going to start? you know, working out again, you know, it's, it's really healthy. And, and I agree. And I, I really would like to start working out again, just, just to be healthy, not, not to, uh, you know, uh, somehow say that working out will make me more attractive or, you know, whatever, but just because it's healthy and it's good for you. 
but yeah. I've already decided in my mind, like I've accepted that I'm, I'm tall and, and thin and, uh, and I've decided that that's what makes me attractive to girls is that I wow, am kind of that, good. um, maybe like edgy, interesting, uh, not normal person. Honestly, that that is why Jamie, that's one of the reasons why she was attracted to me was what you just said. Cause I finally became comfortable in being tall, skinny, <laughs> which I'm not now, <laughs> but I, but I was comfortable being different. I was not athletic dude. We've never watched a sports show in this house in 31 years. Sports doesn't make me more manly having huge muscles. That's fine. Right. But that doesn't make me more manly. What I'm hearing you say is finally in your mid twenties, late twenties that, that you not only have kind of written your own definition, but more so you're comfortable yeah. with Camden and you, you love yourself. And that, that is what exudes confidence and makes you attractive to. Yeah. I, you know, people. even, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think being, uh, I mean, being in music, music is very connected to the fashion and, and photo and video yeah. world. Um, and so just like that studying, studying Instagram. art and more of that and just, uh, seeing how um, like a lot of H&M models even there's there's one um, there's one that I saw and he has that uh, that pigmentation where where his, his pigmentation yeah. uh, is spotted you know so like part, part of him is black and part yeah. of him is white and yeah. whatever and it's on his face and yeah. a lot of people would you know be like oh that poor guy you know but he's somehow owned it and made it like he's embraced now it. he's an h&m model and it's become cool or like even like if you if you go to h&m you'll see like uh, a lot of the girls the models they have a gap in their teeth and that's something that's like typically not considered you know it used to not be considered attractive but now it's this like oh well if if you're just straight up beautiful then you're not interesting you have to be beautiful but also have something off about you or like something unique or kind of strange. Like I was like, I need to have a little bit of grit to me, you know? So I've like embraced, I've been great. I've embraced yeah, my teeth right. the way that they yeah. are. I, I had moles removed on my, uh, not, not for cosmetic reasons, but for, you know, they were afraid that it might turn into like skin cancer thing. So I got yeah, you know a, a mold removed that. on yeah. my back, on my arm, and on my stomach, and it left these huge scars that now look like I was like shot three times, and and I uh, and I also have like a lot of like uh, uh, moles or like freckles on my on my back and on my stomach, and I used to feel uh, yeah I do too I yeah. used to feel like embarrassed about that. But then, you know, but then you see somebody like that guy with the skin, uh, the skin issue on his face, the pigment issue on his face, who became an H&M model. And you're like, oh, OK, you can actually work that to your benefit. So then I decided having my scars is actually pretty badass. And I uh, and, and so so I That's even cool. did like uh, in one of a photo shoot that I was in, I even like specifically had them take pictures of my scars, like close ups of my scars. Yeah, and I, I posted it that was on, so on cool. Instagram. Yeah, because um, I was just like, you just I you just it. gotta own your your flaws and your good traits. I think that's when I said on Instagram from my I'd rather talk account yeah. that <laughs> yeah. uh, I have your back. That's right. I saw that. <laughs> Love that. 
So you, you're telling me that you, you finally embraced who you are. And it's funny because uh, I saw a picture in the last year, uh, maybe two years, your mom and dad, you and uh, Jordan Daniel and Devin Robert, you're all, I don't know if it was in Florida, but if it was a beach or a lake, but you were shirtless. Like that's the first time I've ever seen you comfortable in your skin to say, I, I can stand by my brother Jordan, I can stand by my dad, I can stand by Devin and be Camden and be happy with my shirt off. Like, dude, that's how far you've come. Like, you embrace your height, you've embraced your physical traits as your own sense of masculinity. That is yeah. huge. Well, and it's huge, interesting, huge. like, and in, in, uh, I actually, I did, I did see therapy too for a little bit. Um, that helped with the comparison uh, that I had to my to my younger I'm glad brother. about that, by the way. And uh, that really helped a lot. But another thing that's helped has just been realizing, uh, and, and I think in music terms, you know, as far as like branding and marketing, but we are two totally different brands, yeah. you know? And yeah, and, you and, Jordan. and yeah. both equally like valid, day. you know? He, he is amazing. And uh, what he has is very important for the world to hear and to see. I mean, I used to be bitter about the fact that I had such a, I felt like perfect, but such a perfect brother that I could never, I could never live up. <laughs> You're like, yeah, why I did you like move to Nashville? To, yeah, I felt You're like destroying I could never my life. Perfection, and I was afraid when he moved to Nashville that he was going to like, you know, steal all my friends and, yeah. you know, they were all going to like him more than they liked me. You know, all this stuff. And, I'm sure I felt um, that way. But, uh, but then, you know, God kind of revealed to me that uh, how blessed am I to have somebody like Jordan stuck with me for life, that he is, you know, uh, he's kind and he he is masculine and he is confident and he is smart and he is talented. And that's the person that I have stuck in my life for the rest of my life. And I'm I'm so wow. thankful, you know, I mean, out of anybody that I could have in my life um i'm i'm so thankful that it's him one thing i've observed about you and jordan and and devin is the security that you had you know with your dad and many 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 of the guys i journeyed with yeah did not have that but as a mentor you know extra grown up in your life um father type figure i guess it's just again so gratifying to see you guys, Jordan was 15. I think I mentioned that uh, on Mirasville's podcast. 15, 17, Devin was 19. You guys aren't even 20 yet. And to see uh, how far you've come in your journey as young men. So let's talk for a second about, I think you kind of mentioned it, but some of the steps that you started taking to journey out of self-loathing and, and you mentioned some already, but, but let's talk about, for example, like self-talk. I know that's sort of a trendy or a psych term. I'm, I am glad that you went to therapy, by the way. Uh, many people should be going, I've gone, I've taken some of my children. Um, but, but self-talk is, is a huge thing. What we, what we hear that conversation in our head and that's hard to overcome. Tell me about how you finally learned to separate 
the truth from what's not true. I know we talked about it so many times in our mentoring conversations, but but self-talk, uh, how, how really huge, huge is that? I remember uh, whenever I was younger, probably 17, um, you giving me some sentences to look at myself in the mirror and say, and I remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, uh, yeah. you are godly, you are attractive, you girls are attracted to you guys want to be your friend um you have what it takes you're gonna be yes. you're gonna be you know yeah, what successful one yeah. day you're gonna you know you are gonna have a, a wife and kids and um you know just basically saying the opposite of all the things that my mind was telling me and that that that, wow. that did really help a lot uh, just yeah, just just forcing Self-talk. yourself to get into the right mindset. Um, and it's not an immediate fix by any means because you still have all of those negative no, life experiences that are um, weighing you down in your head. And, you know, even I was actually just thinking a second ago about how aff- affirming and wonderful my parents have been. But in my mind, whenever I was younger, I was like, well, they have to say those things. So, yeah, exactly. So because like, they're mom and dad. It's never, it's, I'm thankful for that, but it's not going to change the way I feel about myself um, until, you know, I have, I'm hearing those things from people that aren't biased. Um, Dude, that's precisely why God sends mentors and friends into your life. That, that, what you just said is the reason why. I do what I do and why I teach you guys because mom and dad are awesome. Like I could never replace any young man's dad. But when you hear those words from somebody who didn't raise you, it's coming from the other side of the mountain for you. Hey dude, you, you are handsome. You've got what it takes. You're going to do all God has for you. Hearing that from somebody else, uh, Rudolph even said this, Chris in his uh, podcast last month, it's all the difference in the world when you hear it from somebody who, didn't raise you and that is one of the hugest reasons why we need mentors and why exactly i remember you speaking some of those things Uh, into my life and that made a huge difference and uh even to this day um i have certain friends that are very intentional about saying those things and you know i'll just get a text like reminding me that stuff and um, to have to have friends like that that'll Peers. say those things to you is is invaluable. So since you mentioned friends, um, let's switch over to that for a minute and talk about how having the right kind of friendships and healthy relationships helped you journey out of self-loathing, getting rid of what we would call toxic quote unquote friends. How was that journey for uh, you in your twenties? It's 20s? been. I mean, my personality type is I tend to want to be friends with everybody and anybody that reaches out to me. I'm. I'm like sure, you know. Um, and one thing that I've had to get better about is realizing when certain people are the kind of friend that I'm looking for, and realizing whenever they're not. And even though somebody may be like a really great person or a cool person and they would be a great friend to you if they were interested in being a great friend to you, if they're not interested in being a great friend to you, then you kind of have to learn to just walk away from that. I'm not going to be in a one-way friendship. The older you get, um, the easier it becomes 
because you know you're just able to yeah. channel that friendship energy towards other friendships that are healthier um, so i mean i remember a specific time whenever <laughs> i was friends with uh, i was friends with a couple of guys uh and it was like i had two friend groups and and i realized one day i'm like you know one of those friend groups I feel kind of beat down every time that I'm with them. And like, I feel less confident after leaving, hanging out with them. And another one of those friend groups, I feel uplifted and, you know, just healthier spiritually and emotionally. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to invest in, in this other friend group. And wow. so I kind of walked away from, from the other friendship which is hard, hard for me to do uh, because I never want anybody to feel rejected by me. I don't want to be the only person reaching out and they're never reaching out to me because to me that just shows that they're not, you know, as, as interested in, uh, in, in a close friendship as you are. And that's not healthy for you to be in. Dude, I'll be real honest and vulnerable here. That's that's one of the biggest lessons yeah. I've learned even in my 50s. That if people ghost me, then maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe that friendship is done. Maybe it's time for it to be done. As a mentor slash father figure slash, yeah, you know, Enneagram 2 wanting to save the whole world, it's hard for me to let those people go. But there's times when friendships should end. I don't mean that there's yelling and shouting and hateful things, but that season's done and you're ready to go to the next level and maybe they're not ready to go with you. So I, I appreciate you saying that. One of the hardest lessons that I've learned in my 50s is one, one-way friendships and that it can't really thrive one way. Eventually, mm-hmm. it has to be two-way yeah. or it's going to die. And it should Yeah, and, and maybe it's Man, just a break. Not. You can find other friends too. It is very important. Um, wow. Because... Okay. If you feel like, you know, you're reliant on that friendship and if you're not friends with them, then you're not going to have any friends, then it makes it a lot harder. Um, But if you realize I can go out there and I can make other friends and I can pour myself into those friendships and, you know. uh, Dude, that's liberating. It really sets you free from, you know, codependency. Seriously. Camden, thanks so much here. We're, our time's running out, so we're going to wind it up here. But, man, this has been amazing and, and actually profound. Some of these things that you've said here, even in just the last five minutes, those one-liners are, are so good. And I, I think a lot of uh, millennials and net gens, guys that follow me uh, from afar and guys that we're close to are, are really going to benefit. Thank you so much for uh, being with me here today. Is there anything else that you have in, in your uh, – in your soul there that you want to let out Uh, before we close it out. You know, one thing that I didn't touch on was uh, how the Bible says, uh, love others the way you love yourself. Jesus in the gospel said uh, he was doing away with basically all of the, you know, numerous commands in the old Testament by saying two commands. Number one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and two, love, love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor as yourself. Exactly. And, and and I remember yeah, having yeah, that revelation yeah, yeah. towards the end of college that 
part of the reason that I was so um, difficult towards towards my younger brother um, was because I didn't love myself. And, you know, I, I was loving is like I was loving people the way that I love myself, but the way I love myself wasn't good. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would just recommend, um, just trusting God and, and, and trusting the journey that he's taking you on. It's not going to be an overnight fix. Um, self-confidence is not something that, you know, you can just all of a sudden decide to have. Um, it is built over the years and different things that you can do to help are, you know, the things that Mark was saying about self-talk reminding yourself, uh, saying opposite basically of what your mind is saying about you, you know, say I am masculine. I am attractive. I am successful. I am what women are looking for. I am a godly person, all those things. Um, so that's one element. The other element is, uh, I would say, I mean, whenever you're really young, you can't really control this, but whenever you become an adult, you kind of can, um, I, I would go to a city or a um, find some type of group of friends that you connect with or identify with um, because it's helped me so much to move to Nashville and to meet other music artists that grew up in similar situations as me where, you know, people didn't understand them because they weren't good at sports or uh, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and, you know, now it's like there's a new normal for me. And that has, that wow. has dramatically That's affected um, everything. And, uh, and I've also learned to not be wow. hard on myself, too. I think that has, wow. that has helped me whenever I um, feel like I'm not who I want to be. Um, it's definitely helpful to just be like well no one's exactly who they want to be <laughs> you know no one yeah, is no dude, one is tell me about it. heading for 57 <laughs> sometimes i look in the mirror and you know i'm comfortable in my own skin and i have good self-care and self-talk but dude i'm still growing i'm still working on stuff yeah it, it doesn't end it shouldn't end so dude you said loving yourself like jesus talked about finding a group that you can identify with at your core, which you did by uh, moving to Nashville and not being hard on yourself. That's so good. Uh, all of you guys are like extra sons to me since I raised daughters. Uh, we were kind yeah. of, we said we were like the Brady bunch, you know, I had three girls, your mom and dad had three, uh, three boys and we both yeah. had the same Noritake Sandhurst China for wow. our, our wedding, you know, on our wedding days. But I love you so much, young friend. I'm so proud of you. And again, I know I said it twice on this podcast, but to see you go from 17 to almost 30 and to hear you flush out in this whole journey of going from self-loathing to self-loving is profound. And if you only knew how many guys I journey with that were that are where you were. And I think that, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why God connected us because so much of what you said Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. Uh, we had a lot, a lot of the same journey just 27 years earlier than you did. So thank you for opening up your heart, opening up your heart and uh, being so vulnerable today. Thanks for being with me, Camden.
So I know besides being auditory, many young men are visual. And so you might be a visual learner and you prefer to read for yourself and learn on your own. So for the related reading segment today, I want you to head over to iRatherTalk.com and check out the post called Who You Really Are. Who You Really Are. So in that post, you can learn there how you can become uh, righteous and clean, uh, pure, how you can be loved and forgiven, redeemed and, and accepted, and how you can be treasured and desired and free. So it's a great post just about being a son of the Most High God and what he's done for us. It's a short read. It's going to boost your confidence, guys. As I said in most of my podcasts here, I think the posts are easy to read. I try to get a graphic in every thumb swipe for you guys. So uh, check it out, who you really are. Lastly here, guys, if you have read my posts at I'd Rather Talk, you know that I usually end my post with a closing question, something that we can take away for action. And I like to do this on the podcast as well. So my takeaway question for you today is simply this. What first step can you take today, not next week, but today, to begin shedding the the layers of self-hatred in your life. Guys, take that first step now. You, you can't go forward until you get out of park and put it into drive. Gentlemen, that is a wrap on episode six, transforming from self-loathing to self-loving. So maybe you have despised and hated yourself, guys, or parts of yourself. Again, it's definitely one of the biggest hurdles that I face in my journey with young men. Maybe you don't like your physical traits or your emotional traits or your appearance or something about your personality. Both Camden and I are living examples of how you can overcome self-loathing and, you know, with some time, begin to love yourself so that, like we said at the top of the show, you can truly love somebody else. Guys, self-love, self-care is the key to happy, lifelong, healthy, non-codependent relationships and friendships. You can start today, guys. So I'm about to close with my normal outro, but because outtakes were such a hit on episode five, Last month, uh, after our outro music here in a second, I'm going to sneak in a couple of silly um, you know, bloopers or outtakes. Uh, for example, I can't even pronounce Camden. You'll find that out. If you want to learn more about me, Mark Edward, and why I mentor, and maybe you're curious as to why I'd Rather Talk even exists if you're new here. Jump on over to I'dRatherTalk.com. There you can check out my bio. You can learn about why we do what we do. 
You can find, uh, you know, wisdom and life hacks for young men on the 12 topics that guys ask me about the most. Again, if you're new to us, those topics are leadership, mentoring, um, finding your destiny, controlling your thought life, setting boundaries, um, how to have healthy male friendships, dating, sexuality, and porn. Guys ask me about those questions almost every single day. We talk about marriage, um, parenting, budgeting your money, and most importantly, how to get along with God and, and sonship with God. So I don't ask for anything there. Of course, you can you can be on the database and get a monthly mailing or whatever, but you don't have to give the names of your kids, the last four of your social, or sign up for anything. This podcast is a production of I'd Rather Talk and is recorded via Anchor FM Software, a Spotify company. As we close out here, I am Mark Edward, and if you want, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the podcast platform that you're listening on today, as well as eight others. I will probably say it until the last episode. I don't need more followers for my ego. I don't care about more likes. I'm definitely not going to tweet all day long. It's really not about me. What I do need to do, though, is to keep doing what I was meant to do until my last breath, and that is to help you find answers to help you enhance and advance your legacy as a young man. Gentlemen, as always, I'm for you 100%. I hope we can stick together until you are old and I'm really old. Let's talk soon, guys. He's going to be making noise because if he's not, I'll just stay in my room. Hey, um, question. I'm trying to record a podcast. I could go downstairs to Jude's room if you're going to make noise up here or if you're not. I was just curious. I could be in my room, but mm-hmm. are you going to be doing stuff? I don't have to be doing stuff. Um, pretty close. I'm just playing guitar and making it sound good, but I'll just be loud acoustically. So I'll just okay. chill. Well, I, I could go downstairs if you want. It's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll go downstairs. Are you coming back for vocals anytime? I want to. Yeah. Yeah, so I just have to record this podcast and then uh and then after that. I'm I'm all yours. All right. <laughs> it's nice That'll be fun on the blooper reel. <laughs> I know, it's nice. Podcaster that, right? has a question for roommate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun it's fun having uh music roommates cuz oh, yeah. he's going to record some vocals for me later and That's cool. Yeah. I enjoyed my roommate days. I I love Having Jamie a million times more, but my roommate dates days were fun too. Guys, today we're talking about going from self-loathing to self-loving. And joining me today is my fourth co-host, David Camden Mueller, known to you guys and the rest of the world as Camden. Welcome, Camden, to the podcast. Hey. So glad you're here, my friend. Yeah, glad to be here too. Yeah, Thanks, and you're uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Stepped right on you already. I'm gonna start over because I already stepped on you. Here we go. Oh, okay, that's all right. Whoever, uh, it always says it's for men, but you know, like Chris's mom listened right. to his well, because that, that's his mother. So I've never met sure. her, but you know, it's it's like one of those things. I don't mind strangers yeah. listening to it yeah. or other guys, but I just don't want like. <laughs>
was seeing it on Facebook and clicking on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Just for saying that, I'm going to include yeah. this clip in the podcast. <laughs> You've been listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast.